equity of up to £150 million. You're in the theatre, fine, you're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, uh, it's great to finally get started as uh, manager of this great football club. I'm really looking forward to uh, you know, our task ahead. Uh, I think it's an exciting opportunity for us to now um, sort of set off on a new direction, um, play football and, and create an environment that uh, embodies the values and traditions of this fantastic football club. Hopefully a team that you can all be proud of and more importantly get excited by. Um, I can assure you that uh, right through pre-season we won't leave any stone unturned, myself, the staff and the players, to make sure that uh, when the league comes around that uh, you'll all be as excited as I am about the season ahead. So I really look forward to seeing everyone uh, at the stadium in particular at our first home game and uh, look forward to the journey ahead. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 128, and Spurs officially have a manager for the men's team. Still looking for one for the women's team, but we will come on to that and much more. We've got a fun show for you today. We are going to talk Postacoglu, or as Todd would like me to say, Postacoglu, because I am originally from Baltimore, and that is just going to be hard for me to not say it that way. Uh, we will talk about Ryan Mason, David Raya. We got new kits this week. Uh, we'll have a little discussion about important players to this squad going forward, kind of our, I, I guess what you could say, an off-season primer, and uh, talk a little bit about that women's team as well. There was a key departure, and again, they are still looking for a manager as well. But we'll start by throwing it out to Caroline. She is at CG Stefko. Kaz, what's going on with you this weekend? Hello, hello. Um, just coming off of Pride Night at SAFC last night. It was a great time. The result, not so much. Um, but yeah, I'm just fully in American soccer mode right now and trying to stay off Twitter as much as possible. Yeah, I feel like that's a good life lesson for anyone. Yeah, we had our pride night at Phoenix Rising last night as well. A good time was had by all and Rising, despite their form this year, managed to get a point. So we will take it. Uh, the Todd father is also with us. He is at TC underscore Cachot. Todd, what is up with you, my friend? Yeah, any day that, uh, you know, you get to have a conversation about Nike not completely crapping the bed on the home kit is also <laughs> amazing news. Ange Postacoglu is definitely exciting for us to chat about. There's a variety of different things for us to uh, to be amped about here as Spurs fans. Uh, it's a good fucking day, Andrew. It's a good yeah, fucking day. It is that. It is that. Let's... um. Let's dive in. I, you know, for regular listeners, we kind of discussed uh, Postacoglu last week at length because we kind of felt like this was getting done. And then days later, mm-hmm. it was. So if you want to hear a little more in depth about Postacoglu, head back to that. But the 57 year old Australian is in the fold now. It's official this week. We saw all of the, 
you know, the, the announcements, the interviews, the, the love shared for, Oh my goodness, this is finally done. Where are we at mood wise? I'm uh, encouraged. I'm, uh, you know, ready for, for the warm embrace of a manager that feels like he really wants to be at, at, at Spurs and is honored to be the manager at Tottenham. Is, is that the way you were feeling as well, Todd? Um, less of the warm embrace from a barrel chested Australian, but more, um, <laughs> more excited about the fact that we're going to get to root for um, attacking football again at Tottenham. I, I can't tell you as a fan base, how much having to like resign ourselves to rooting for Mourinho ball only to have Levy pull the rug out from underneath us before we see the payoff from Mourinho ball has left just a sour, sour, sour taste in my mouth. And then to watch the just travesty that occurred under Conte, as far as I'm concerned, because there are so many different moving parts that went wrong for us that made us watch just what looked like reductive football from some of the best players in the whole wide world was really, really tough to watch every single week. And so to know that the man who we have brought in to lead us forward hates passing the ball backwards. Yeah. That juices me up. I'm excited. Now, if we could just buy a defense so that we don't, um, act like sieves on the other end. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, that is definitely necessary and needed at this point. Uh, and again, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a little squad breakdown in here in a little bit and and kind of get into some of that. Uh, Caroline, where are you mood wise on on this this hiring? Again, we talked a lot about it last week, but now that it's official, are the are the vibes good? Are the are the feelings warm? Because that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm ready to jump into an off season and see where it goes. Yeah, vibes are very good. You know, I. I think that it's kind of a shame we don't have an all or nothing season because I would love to get some of those dressing room speeches because <laughs> we, I mean, I've been watching tons of them of his from other clubs and he's definitely a good man motivator, which I think our squad kind of needs right now. Um, obviously it, it seems like we're going to be having quite a bit of turnover, hopefully, but the ones who are remaining from the past, shall we say regimes are going to need a little bit of, you know, positive encouragement i think we should say <laughs> i think the more recent development in the coming days that was interesting to me not interesting surprising just interesting is that ryan mason is going to stay on board uh, under post and I, I don't know how i feel about this i guess i'm okay with it i kind of thought that mason would maybe try to go out and get his own gig either in the championship or maybe even in, in, in league one, but Todd, you're, you're shaking your head. No, you're, you disagree with that. I absolutely disagree with that. The thing about the, the, you need to understand is that Ryan Mason um, didn't expect it to be at this point in time in his career, he's still expected to be playing football. And so for Ryan Mason to be put in a position to where he gets to learn firsthand from all of the managers that he's got to learn firsthand under here at Spurs, it's like getting a PhD in coaching, in like a, a, a you know in an executive program so i this isn't surprising to me at all i don't think ryan mason's going to learn anything from going and hanging out at fucking bristol city for 18 months before he gets fired i wanted to shout out reed simpson who reached out to us at tottenham depot shout out reed simpson mason, who wanted to hear about mason um caroline where are you with mason because like i said I, I i don't want him i i'm kind of against the idea that he's just here to be the the fallback option in case shit goes wrong at Spurs because that's the way it's kind of felt for me but also I do think there is a growth to his career that is that has been interesting to see and I've I've enjoyed watching that 
Yeah, I think that point from Todd is actually really smart, you know, pointing out that he's kind of ahead of schedule in terms of his managerial career. Um, And honestly, like this should be a time of learning for him. And I think we should be excited about him getting the chance to learn under a manager who is someone who's going to be playing a more attacking style of football because, you know, (laughs) it's going to mesh with who Ryan Mason is. Right. Yeah. Mourinho and Conte may have done some psychic damage to him, I believe. Um, (laughs) But I, I think this is a good thing also from the sense that Ryan is someone who really understands Tottenham culture. And I think that's important to have for kind of the transition for Postacoglu, you know, when he comes in to have someone who's been around and kind of, you know, knows the lay of the land and can be sort of a, a go between in that sense. So I think Don't it's get a me good wrong. Thing. That bald yeah. rat for Levy is still going to be in the squad too. The player liaison clown knows whatever that guy's just a straight up, microphone for Daniel Levy. It is absolute nonsense. That guy's going to be around. As long as that guy's around, the rats are in the fold. Just now. Well, I, I do think it's it's important to remind ourselves, you know, Ryan Mason this coming Tuesday will turn 32 years old. He is a baby, a child. Um, and I can say that because I'm a fool like two years older than him and, and can say that, you know, confidently. Uh, but like he is still very young. It's a great point. And there is still a lot for him to to learn and develop. And he's like he's a full 25 years younger than Postacoglu is. I mean, that's that's a that's an eternity, especially when you're talking about experience in the game. So I don't hate the move. I just it's I guess it was not expected for me. I kind of expected this to be his leaping off point after you know the experience that he's had taking over as a caretaker manager in the last handful of years but again i'm not against the move whatsoever i think it's it is an important step on his journey um and you know we'll we'll kind of see where it goes i i do still think that he's he's done nothing to make me believe that he couldn't be a still future potential manager of this club or you know any other number of top clubs in in the game at this point so we'll we'll see see how that development continues it's really smart for him to stay in the Premier League because just from a quality of life standpoint, like, do you want to go to Derby County and hang out? Right. Or do you want to hang out in the nicest facilities in the country? Just asking. No, it's a very good point. It's a very good point and good for Ryan Mason. Um, I hope, I hope, and, and the point that you made Caroline too, about integrating that Tottenham way. Like, I think that is, you know, there is a little bit of that. And I don't think there's any doubt that, that Postacoglu is a guy who, I think would be more willing to adapt to that than make, you know, than, than force feed whatever his style is. Um, he, he wants to learn and grow in this role as it's, as it's such a big role for him too, um, coming off of a career, you know, in, in lower leagues and lower levels at this point. Um, also word this week that Postacoglu met with Daniel Levy transfer business to be discussed summer window openings shortly a lot to be done I think that the one kind of concrete rumor that we have had though thus far is about goalkeeper and that is mostly about David Raya um, of Brentford Fabrizio Romano reported earlier today Sunday uh, that Tottenham are on the verge of reaching an agreement with Raya on personal terms uh, with a long-term contract uh, almost to agreed to the kind of hiccup on all of this is that Brentford want 40 million pounds um, and that is considered to be too high I don't know where I sit on whether or not that's too high. I, I'm not, I don't really have a firm opinion on that, but where are we on Caroline David Raya as the potential, you know, successor to Hugo Lloris as he kind of heads out the door? Well, I think he definitely matches the profile goalkeeper that we really need to be looking for 
if we're attempting to change our kind of formation and style of play. Um, we need someone like him who is a strong distributor. Oh, and oh you mean who's not a complete liability? Oh, who's not a complete <laughs> liability with the ball at his feet, Karen? Right. So, so I think at that point, perhaps the price tag becomes worth it if this is someone that the club strongly feels could be, you know, our first keeper for years and years to come. Um, sometimes you have to make those big calls uh, when someone like that is available. And the other big benefit to David Raya is that he counts as a homegrown player. So that's one less homegrown spot that we have to worry about. So I think it's good business. Such a great call right there. Andrew, it's uh, it, it's funny when you're thinking about the guy that you want to come in and, and replace Hugo Lloris, it's really difficult um, because he's been one of the greatest shot stoppers in the history of football for about seven of the last 10 years. Um, the problem is, is that those three off years all came in the same time, <laughs> right at the end of his career. And so it, it definitely is going to leave a little bit of a different taste in our mouth as he heads out the door than maybe it would have if he'd have left after the Champions League final, something along those lines. But what I would say <clears throat> is that we're looking to not only change the formation and the style of play, but we're looking to change the culture of Tottenham. And I always say attitude reflects leadership. And as Hugo heads out the door, it's really important that the type of personality that we bring in is somebody that can be that calm presence at the back, but is also going to allow Harry to do his thing. And I think that David Raya is a perfect uh, type of player to do that. He's going to stop as many shots as you expect him to stop. Maybe not as many as Hugo, but he's going to stop the shots here. He's expected to stop. And he's absolutely going to be a uh, – significantly better distributor of the ball, which ultimately is going to change our entire possession stats. You know, it's interesting what you bring up about, you know, his shot stopping, taking a real, a real nosedive over the last handful of seasons. And I think for the last, let's call it three to five seasons, there's been this discussion about, well, who's the guy that can challenge Hugo as the backup and at least push him to be better and maybe even take over when that cliff comes. And I think that we were maybe in the, the nosedive before we realized it with Hugo Lloris, unfortunately, which happens with goalkeepers. And I don't think there's anything to be super ashamed of about that, but you know, there, there's, there's well, something to be said for, I think we were, I think we were in the storm and didn't realize it. I, I'm, I think that that's fair, but I think ultimately what we're looking at is, is two things. One, he never saved a single penalty, not one for club or country broke his arm after that dislocation of his arm he was never the same keeper again that's one the second thing is what we didn't account for because we were still watching the highlights of hugo making the incredible reaction saves because he's that keeper is that he started not making the saves that he was supposed to make those near posts those little dribblers those ones in between the legs from eric dyer on a back pass just little shit like that that you didn't expect to be a problem started to become a problem. And then when his gas at his with his feet, plus his propensity to give the ball away, plus his propensity <laughs> to not stop the shots he's supposed to stop, it just adds up to it's about that time. And and not to mention the guys that were brought in to back him up slash maybe hopefully push him to the next level. We're never that guy. I mean, we're talking about Frazier Forster who, who may still, you know, I mean, he may still be the backup this season and that's perfectly fine. I think he's a, a perfectly capable backup goalkeeper, you know, Joe Hart. Um, there's so many names that I'm going to end up forgetting here. I mean, we, Alfie, yeah, Gazaniga, Alfie Whiteman and Brandon Austin are still in this squad. And those, I don't think either of those guys are going to get to 
the level that you might expect maybe no. in another four or five years, but I don't no, think no, it'll no, be for no, us. No. So there, there's a lot of, a lot of names out there that just weren't that dude. Well, and that's the difficult thing when it comes to the goalkeeper position, like your second keeper is never going to be a long or even medium term solution because sure. they simply don't get the game time to have the sharpness of a first goalkeeper. And it's, you know, from the club's perspective, I, I kind of showed them some leniency towards kind of getting it wrong with Hugo because the fact that he was our captain and had been world-class for most of his career, you do want to give him the chance to prove himself that he's not, you know, washed up for, to put it really harshly. Plus um, he signed with so us difficult. when he could have gone to, to yeah. PSG or to well, uh, Real Madrid when Courtois went. They were looking at Hugo as well. Like there were a couple of opportunities where Hugo could have said, Deuce is Tottenham and he stayed. So I think we rewarded his loyalty as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's just so difficult to find someone who's on that caliber of being a World Cup winning goalkeeper. Like they just don't come around that often. So let's let's I didn't really fully intend this to turn into a Hugo Lloris conversation over a David Raya conversation, but I like this. The other thing I want to point out, too, is timeline of all of this. Hugo Lloris won the World Cup with France in 2018. Do we not think that maybe that was the start, the very, very start of the, the decline and the end for, for Hugo and that he maybe dined out a little bit on the fact that they had just won the World Cup and he captained that team? Because No, I think the, the start of the, the beginning of the end for Hugo was the drunk driving incident. Sure. The first and, well, when did that happen, though? Wasn't that before that? Then? Happened, no, that happened as he was celebrating with fucking Olivier Giroud on their okay. World Cup victory. I thought for some reason I thought that was before that, but you might be right about that, Todd. I, I I just feel like that was kind of the beginning of when things started to go a little bit downhill. And look, you got to give guy, a guy credit for captaining a team, you know, his country to the World Cup, sure. But I think maybe he got a little bit uh, extra run out of that, if you will. hundred um, percent, he did. And he I'm not look. I'm not disparaging sloppy goals. I, I want to make it clear, too, that we've, we're sitting here kind of mildly taking a shit on Hugo Lloris, and this guy served as the club captain for many years. And look, if they can't find a suitor for him, I don't know if they're just going to cut ties or what the deal is. He obviously wants a move, but um, it does no, feel like a, at the a, end. Yeah, he has a year left on his contract. Um, right. And so what they'll do is if they don't have any proper suitors, which it's, it's rumored that he could go and join all those clowns over in Saudi Arabia. But um so you know, me, which I, I think yeah exactly <laughs> which i think would be a great move for him you know there's been talks that he wants to go home to france i don't know if that's the greatest move for him but i think he could if he really wanted to realistically like i think hugo has one like especially with this knee injury that he suffered this year and like looking at those little chicken legs i don't really know how many more years he's got left on him so i, I mean there's a decent chance that he signs maybe a two-year contract and hangs it up but yeah this is definitely the end we kept him i realistically we kept hugo Lloris three years longer than we should have I want to give uh, want to give uh, special props to uh, Stacy on Twitter, who she called this out years and years ago, and was like, "Hugo's a clown. Get him out of here!" And I defended him to the very, very bitter end. But now we turn the page and for, yeah. for for more importantly as a keeper, but more importantly as a captain. And I I can't go yes. back to the importance of that in the fact it's Harry's that team now. it's Harry's team now, and attitude reflects leadership. And Harry works harder than anybody in the building, and he always has. I think that is going to be the difference on this team going forward. Right. We don't need David Raya to be a captain. We just need him to be a dependable keeper in a system where hopefully he's not going to be under as much defensive pressure as, say, for example, Hugo has been under the last few seasons. 
because we're going to be a more possession-based team. Well, as long as we get Eric Dyer, we should be fine. <laughs> and the, the point was made too about how good Raya is with the ball at his feet and you know sweeping. But uh, Joel, Joel Wertheimer, the, the former Obama staffer, shared this from Opta. This stat: uh, if if Tottenham had gotten David Raya's shot stopping over the last thirty-eight matches instead of that of Lloris and Fraser Forrester, uh, Spurs would have given up twelve fewer goals this past year. Just and saying, that's and be- four that's, of that's those be- would have been in the Liverpool match. Yeah, that's um, before you even <laughs> enter in the the ball the 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 ball playing and the sweeping. So I mean, that's you know I don't know how reliable the 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 Opta stats are there and the the advanced metrics, but it's just to say that David Raya is not a bad shot stopper either. He's very good with the ball at his feet, and that's something that Spurs have been desperately needing. However, he can also stop shots, which is say, obviously like goes- important as a goalkeeper. Indeed, it just it goes back to the point that I was making earlier, Andrew, which is he's he's stopping the shots that he should have stopped. I think if you look at over the course of the thirty eight matches, both Frazier and Hugo had uh, had so- shots that they absolutely should have stopped that they didn't. So uh, I can think of a couple in Frazier's first match that went directly into the corner that my six year old son Connor probably could have stopped. Just saying. Fair enough. Uh, you guys want to move this along to a little kit discussion before we uh, we we move on to our our big ch- meaty topic. Um, home kits were released this week. Uh, what do we think? I, I'm a fan. I like them. I think like like you alluded to, Todd. I don't think Nike fucked this one up too badly. Um, I think they did a pretty decent job. But I'm not like I'm not the jump up and down about kits type type of guy. I care about the team that plays in them. So you give me what you think about them. All right. So the breakdown is this. Um, the shirt design, like the, the template that Nike's with the, like the way that the chest is cut, I hate, I think it's garbage. And so like this shirt continues to have that, which is one of the main drawbacks of the shirt. The only other drawback of the shirt itself is that, um, the new, uh, number like spurs numbers, uh, and letters that that they went with that new font. Yeah. Uh, it can take a hike as far as I'm concerned. Some may like yeah. it. I feel like it's pretty polarizing, if nothing less. Um, however, as far as the, the print of the shirt, as far as the like the, the blue cuffs on the sleeves and not around the collar, I actually like that. As far as the little Easter eggs within the shirts, I think that there's plenty of cool stuff in there. Uh, the only thing that really pissed me off more than anything else is that they paired it with white shorts when we're not even in fucking Europe. And if you know anything about Spurs history and the fact that we're not in Europe, the only thing that that says to me is, well, if we're wearing all white in the league, that means that we're going to win some domestic hardware. That's does, all I'm saying. Does that really bother you, though? Is it really a, a, a burden to you that they're going to wear white shorts? I, that, that was where I was going next. Is it really bothersome? Um, I just think that it doesn't look nearly as uh, clean as it could. Well, okay. it bothers me just because I know it's going to be a source of banter. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean that's fair. Like, I, I mean, I, I guess, but West Ham just won their little trash can trophy in an all-white kit, so call it what you want to call it. Oh, that! And by the way, that kit was Atrocious. horrendous looking. It was bad. Like, it just, it just made me really happy that it wasn't claret and blue running around, and everybody was all excited about it on that field. That made me. Happy. I mean, look, they still won the damn thing, and yeah, I'm, it's still a trash can. Calling it a major European trophy is a bit of a stretch, though. So I don't just, know, man. I think if, if we, I think if we were to win, we've won the conference league this year. I would have been, uh, you know, 
I would have been serious? ripping off whatever whatever terrible shirt I was wearing. Yeah, man, we want we want hardware at Spurs. Come on, we do. Yeah, don't I we? dig that. But for whatever reason, like they just made this trophy up two years ago. It doesn't have any prestige. It doesn't have any history. Like I don't really give a fuck about this trophy. And I said that because I don't want to have to go play freaking uh, tractor factory workers from Prague in order to win it. And so, like, I just that's not really what I'm looking for. I mean, for, they though. beat Fiorentina to win it. That's not – I don't know that they no, are no, – Okay, dude, like, if you get to a European final, you're going to recognize the other team's name that's on the other side of the pitch. I'm just saying that a sixth-place Fiorentina or a seventh-place Fiorentina in the Italian league this year – uh, it is not necessary. Like I get it; it's a name, but like along the way, you got to go to fucking Azerbaijan, bro. Like it's not good times for anybody when you have to play Chelsea at Stamford Bridge on Saturday or Sunday. Well, and it was a 14th place West Ham beating them. So no, and this is, and this is my whole point. So it's like you guys jump up. Well, you guys jump up and down, and you do all the things, and woohoo! And it's like, yeah, you guys were in the relegation zone until March. So it's like, don't tell me that business. I don't give a shit about any of that. Yeah, like, right. this isn't a trophy that I get excited about. I don't know, man. Even though they finished so low in the table, they're now going to be in Europa League next season. So jokes on everyone else, to be honest. Well, I mean, jokes. And that's I, and I that's, mean, that's the biggest part of it for me too. Like they winning something like that gets them a step up from where they could be. And look. I know that's not where Spurs are right now, but somehow, somehow we've turned a, a, a kit discussion into bantering West Ham. By the way, uh, I, I forgot to mention, congrats to Manchester City for winning the treble. Uh, and that's all I have to say about that. Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, that's I didn't even really want to bring it up, but I figured I would because I, I just I, I want to giggle about it because it's it's just gotten to the point of ridiculousness at this point. Um, well, and, and, and see how, yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> all I'm going to say. I'm saying that with my, my tongue firmly implanted in my cheek, by the way, like that is, that is where we are at this point. Um, let's get back to the kit discussion though, because that's Caroline. What do you think about this kit? I know we, we mentioned the white shorts. Of course, the women's team is not going to be wearing white shorts. Uh, they're going to be wearing the blue shorts, which I think is a great decision, but where are you with the, 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 the kit overall, uh, and the look? Cause I, I gotta, I gotta be honest. This is just not my thing to get too jazzed up about well overall i actually quite like it i agree with todd that the very awkward kind of chest seeming situation on the nike template is very unflattering even to the players like you notice throughout the game it like bunches up and it's just not a good look but yeah it's real the, bad and for guys without a harry kane chest like it just yeah. it makes it look like you have a tougher chest than you already do it's yes. rough but i think besides that like aesthetically it looks good. I like the really subtle pattern. I like the little bit of navy trim. Um, the one thing I didn't care for was the home goalkeeper kit. It's this like very pajama looking top to me. It's I, the pattern is too big for a goalkeeper kit in my opinion. So I'm hoping that in the away color way it will look better, but I don't know. Not a fan. You didn't like the goalkeeper kit? I thought of all the kits that was like the I, I don't yeah. know. I like the colors. The, the, I like the, the colors wave too. Look. I don't know. I, but, but it also but, but it looks like a San Diego Loyal kit to me. So like I like a like San Diego Loyal has a keeper kit that looks just like that. So maybe. So I'm you're biased. Stuff. Yeah, you're <laughs> biased. I'm also I'm also a ginger haired man. So well, <laughs> ginger bearded man. So the light blue is a color that kind of works for me. I'm in fact, you know, you can't see it. Wearing light blue a, right a, now. A podcast, but yes, I'm wearing a light blue. Uh, it's actually a, a Spurs Beaver Town shirt. And the color is just a color that I enjoy. It's that light blue or even dark blues. Like I'm a blues, grays, blacks kind of person because of the the complexion and the gingerness of my beard. So uh, <laughs> that's just I'm gonna be a yeah. fan of of pretty much any anything like that. So, but 
I hear you. Yeah. I mean, It'll I don't suit you all a lot better than me. <laughs> yeah, f f fair enough. Um, but good I call out also on the font, the uh, Tottenham font. Why did it have to be lowercase? I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, the font is bad. You're 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 spot on about that. It's not. It's it's not just the the lowercase. The number itself, like I'm looking here at a at a a, a jersey that's sun number seven. And the seven could very well be a one because the, yes. the arm of yes. the seven is not far enough. It's just very kind of clunky and awkward. And I don't, I don't really, I don't really dig the font um, all that much, but yeah, I just, I'm not, not a big fan. Uh, Caroline, you, you sent some very thoughtful tweets about the, the way that the club is promoting the new kit on the website uh, this week. Did you want to get any of that off your chest on the podcast here? Because I think, that, I think it was a, a good point. Well, I appreciate you saying it was thoughtful because it got wildly <laughs> misconstrued by many people. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe, maybe um, you want to clear it up for folks who, who did misconstrue Yes. It. So what I was trying to say is that obviously I do have eyes. I can see that Ash Neville and Rhea Percival were featured in the sort of header photo, which is awesome. It's great to see two very important players to the women's team involved in like the ad campaign. But what I took a little umbrage with was the fact that, you know, they have this sort of featured player section where you can click on the name, you go to a landing page where there's ready-made kits, ready for you to order, super easy. And it was only players from the men's team. And I just feel like it's a really big missed opportunity to be, you know, bigging up some of our really important players like Ash Neville, like Beth England, who is literally going to the World Cup this summer first ever Spurs women player for the England team and you know Tottenham plays in England I feel like this should be a big deal so that just felt like a missed opportunity to me no I 100% agree with you I am in fact on the Spurs shop right now uh just just looking no worries uh I'm not shopping right now but uh, if you go to the kit room tab and look over at shop by player you're exactly right there are no women's players featured in that tab and there are, however, players such as uh, Arnott Danjuma. You could buy an Arnott Danjuma kit, even though he's not going to be wearing this kit. Uh, I think that's a little interesting, to say the least. Um, but multiple players that probably won't be a part of this club going forward. It's all, you know, I mean, we talked at length about Hugo Lloris already. You can buy a, a new Hugo Lloris kit if you want, uh, and he's featured there, but none of the women's players. So I, I, I appreciate you clearing that up for those who misconstrued on the internet. I, it's the first time, luckily, anything that has been put on the internet has been misinterpreted, misconstrued. Uh, so I'm glad that we could take this opportunity to at least clear <laughs> that up. Um, guys, I wanted to have a conversation about the squad as a whole, the men's team as a whole. Right now, I, I counted 31 players that I'm going to include players that were on loan that are still under contract and coming back to the club. And the way we kind of set up this conversation that we wanted to have on the pod this week is I, I asked everyone in on our podcast to come up with their five most important players to Tottenham right now that are not named Harry Kane, because I think we all would just say, okay, well, Harry Kane's obvious. Harry Kane's really important. So I wanted to eliminate him from the conversation and just, we will anoint Harry Kane captain, you know, and our, our, our overlord obviously, because he's very, very important to this club. But when we started to talk about who are the most important players beyond Kane, I think we were all coming up with this idea that it was maybe a little bit more challenging than we thought. And the way I want to frame this conversation is I took all of those 31 players. And like I said, it includes the likes of players who are on loan, 
It even includes, you know, the backup backup goalkeepers, Whiteman and Austin, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast. But we're talking about Tangi and Dombele and La Celso and Destiny Odogi and Harry Winks and those types of players. Even Sergio Reggiana, I think a lot of people don't even realize, is still on the books at Spurs and still has a contract that goes through 2025. So when I took all of these players, I kind of sorted them into bins for myself. I sorted them into red, yellow, and green bins. Green being players that are, I think, are really important to the now and the future of this club. Yellow being players that I'm not kicking out. I, I would like them in the team. Um, and, but if the right offer came in this summer, I kind of, I don't know, I, I would have to think about it, maybe consider it. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to be kicking and screaming if we lost this player. And then the red players are just players that I don't have any use for anymore. And what was really, really eye opening to me is I came up with, of the 31 players, I came up with 10 players that I put in the green category and 21 (laughs) that were in yellow and red 16 of those 21 I had in red. So that's not great and it really speaks to kind of what i think this squad needs to do from an overhaul standpoint so with that said let's talk about who we think is really important in this team and todd i know you said you came up with a full list I, caroline i, know I you, said you, you said you weren't 100 percent sure on this list and i wasn't 100 percent sure either but i do have those you know 10 players that i had in green uh and that includes kane so really it's like nine but where do you guys want to go from here, Todd? Do you want to start and th- throw out? Yeah, let's your, go. Five, well, let's go. Guy? Let's go five. Let's go five to one. Are you good with that? Perfect. Let's go, go with five that. to one. All right. Give, so give me your give me your number five player. Number five for me is Cudi Romero, and the reason why Cudi Romero is my number five player is because he is uh, undoubtedly the only holdover center back starter that we will have next year, as far as I'm concerned. Not counting Ben Davies as a starter, fill in stop that guy for me. Okay, I'm just. Like he'll be here, but as far as as far as the, the rest of the folks that across, played across that line, I hope um, all of them have a very wonderful career. Not wearing my fucking kit, um, <laughs> but I, I I would like to say that he's number five on my list and not higher because he's got to start to dial it in. We've got to reckless abandon is wonderful. I appreciate that. I need much less reckless and much less abandoned when it comes to how you're playing next year because you're my only holdover defender you know on that back line and I need you to be versatile to be able to play in a two or in a in, you know in a in a center back pairing as well as in a three. So that's why he's my number 5. That's really interesting. Um I'm just going to go ahead and spoil for you. He's on my list as well. He's my number 1. Um and the reason that I have Cudi Romero at number 1 is kind of the same reason you said you have him in in your list as well. And it's because he's the only guy back there right now. He's the only center back that we have. That is, I think a bang on starter. And to your point, I think there needs to be a lot more from him in terms of the discipline, in terms of, you know, just X, Y, Z. I mean, all of it. I think he Mm -hmm. needs improvement from his, from his standpoint. I think he's also really important to the club because he still has a contract through 2027. So if, if, this is going to come good. It still has time to come good. He's only 25 years old. Um, I, I think all of these are really important factors. C- Caroline, do you have Cody Romero in your top five? Is he where, where, and where does he fall? So I did, but only because I interpreted most important players for next season in the sense of, are they going to make an impact? And I feel like we're going to find fine. out one way or another if he's going to be a positive impact or a negative impact as he has been at many times this season. But I think that's 
a very good point that because of the length of his contract and how much we spent on him, he's not a player that we can afford to write off. So we need him to be important. And I agree with Todd completely. He's got to rein it in. He has to use that kind of fearlessness to focus his game and not hinder his game. Where, where do you, where did your... you have him on your list? I didn't do an order. Okay, and I don't enough. even have five. So I'll okay, just say well, I'll tell you what. I'm going I'm to yeah, I'm going to leave the floor open to you. Give us your next name. Who do you want to bring it? Oh, bring hold up? on, hold on, hold on. Oh, hold sorry. On. You want to? You got more on Cootie? Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I wanted to ask you who's your number five. My number five is a player that we haven't signed yet. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know that sounds that's silly, cheating, but, but okay. No, so but legitimately, it, so, I think ahead. we don't have enough core players at this time. I think that's actually a big issue. I, I don't, I'm not going to disagree with anything you're putting out here right now at all. So I, that's I funny you. because that's funny because my number four is the cam we haven't signed yet. Okay. So oh, you God. Get okay. So saying. you both did this. Yeah. Absolutely. I should have been, I should have been way more clear with my instructions. Yeah, we this, is, this, is, this is bad. Uh, this is bad hosting but, by me, but, but I will give you, I have an alternative. Like it was right on the cusp. So I'm happy to give you my number four when the time comes. But anyway, Caroline, who's next? Well, the only other players that I had, honestly, were Sun, because I am banking on him having a big season next year, getting out of the kind of doldrum that he was in, which I think this season, there were a lot of, like, honestly, understandable reasons why he had a tough year, but I'm still backing him to get back to his usual form and continue his partnership with Kane, which I think is really important to the team. I think that's really interesting that you bring up Sun because I will just say with full disclosure here, not in my top five and wasn't even one of the, the players. Go I'm ahead. I, I want you to. Over. He's Listen, my number one talk. on my list. How can you look at me in the face and say the only other player on the team that consistently scores goals other than Harry Kane is not the other most important player on the team? Like that's As I'm looking at the situation, the man won a golden boot two years ago. Like, as I'm looking at Ange, he, the only player that does the playing over the top in Ange's system is Sun. We don't have Harry Kane to do that like he has with Kyogo at Celtic. Like we don't have that player. We have Sun. Sun is the guy. Well, and not to kind of trivialize it, but I think a good thing about Ange is that he's shown he works well with Asian players, which I honestly don't think you can say about every manager in world football. So that's, that's a really great point. Caroline. And I, I just think Sun is important to the team, not just for like on pitch reasons, but also, you know, I talk all the time about how you do need to have some continuity. He's someone who understands the culture. So, and there were times like we know when Kane was considering leaving the team two seasons ago, Sun stepped up in a huge way. So I just, every time I Kane got hurt, off. Sun stepped up. Yes. Every time Kane got hurt, exactly. Sun stepped up. I'm 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 fully copping here to being on in, in a slightly opposite viewpoint. And look, f- listeners can banter me all you want. It's at Aestetka, or you can tweet the pod account. I read all those as well. I, I get it. He's 31. I think we have seen his best season. And the reason I have him in the yellow category versus the green category for for for, for my layout of of how this squad looks is because I think if an offer came in that was the type of offer that was reasonable. I think I would have no problem if, if the club accepted that offer and, and moved him on. Do I want to kick him out the door? Absolutely not. Do I want Sun around not only through the end of his contract, which is not for another two years, but even beyond that? Absolutely, sure. But I, I can't put him, because of his age is the main reason, I can't put him in the most important category right now. He's, thir- he's going to be 31 
And there are there's much more youth in this club that I think is important going forward. That's my only argument. I'm not really going to disagree with anything you guys said about, you know, him working and working with him, you know, any, any of the things you guys said. I don't I cannot push back on any of it. I just it's the age for me. And that's that's where I'm going to leave that. Can I share my other two? Because I feel please. like this is really highlighting the way I interpreted the question. No, please go ahead. Uh, which was that these, these are basically like my players who are kind of question marks. Like they're the players who are either going to make or break the season, in my opinion. So the other two that I had were Benton Kerr. And he's obviously a question mark because we just don't know how he's going to be when he comes back from his long-term injury. Like he could be slotting straight back into the starting 11, you know, getting us back to being consistent. Um, or he could have completely lost his touch and we're screwed um, in that position. But the other one is Richarlison. And it's kind of for a similar reason as Romero. Like this is someone that the club invested in and we really need him to come good. And I, I have some faith that he will. You know, I think, again, he had kind of a strange season because of injuries because of the world cup like <laughs> it might be silly to say but i don't think we can really overestimate the sort of mental toll that playing for brazil in a world cup takes on a player like it's it's huge it's massive and i think he mostly lived up to it except for getting injured which was unfortunate but so i just need him to be he doesn't even have to be the number one like we've got harry kane i'm, I'm presuming that he's going to stay uh, so we just need him to be someone who either can play well in a striking partnership with Kane at some point or to be the consistent backup that we've never really had for Kane. Mm -hmm. So Todd, before you jump in, I'm going to piss you off again real quick and then I'm going to let you go because I also have Bentoncourt in my yellow category, not in my top five. And it is purely based on the injury. It is purely I have there's a mystery to me about how well he's going to come back from it. I honestly don't expect Benton Core to even really return until like November, December. And from there, who knows how long it will take him to ramp up. I want him to. I'm not kicking him out the door, obviously. I want him to come back and be better than ever after this injury. But I couldn't I couldn't put him in the important list. Not so much because of age, because he's only, what, 26, I think it is. Uh, yeah, or, or will be by the end of the year. The way I did these ages is what they will be at the end of the year, what they will turn um, so I have him down here at 26 and contract through 2026. So no worries about any of that stuff. Just complete mystery on the injury front for me. So I know that's going to piss you off and I want to let you go on, on Benton core first. Yeah, no, it does. It's a little, it's a little irritating that you have such little faith in, in, in Lolo's ability to come back from an injury at 26. Um, now granted, I also have a similar lack of faith in the Tottenham Hotspur medical staff. So <laughs> you do. Point, That's fair. You your, you are very your, yes. To your point, yes, yeah. which is fair. So to your point, I that that is a more understandable yellow placement than sun for me. So okay. despite the fact that I feel that that's important. I, I also, Richarlison is like my number six that'll slot into like that number five spot, basically. Uh, for similar reasons as Cootie, it's, uh, you know, he had a lot going on, put up or shut up from him. But I'll tell you the one player that we haven't talked about yet. Well, hold is, on one second. I, Let me tell you real quick. Richarlison, I have it four. He's on my list. Okay. And I, part of this is age. A lot of this is what they paid to get him. And the third part is it's important to me that he proved me wrong. Because I have, I, I want to say, I sound really negative on the pod today, and I get that. And again, at Ace Detka, give me your banter. But 
I, I have zero faith in Richarlison like being and, and, and Caroline and I had a, a, a lengthy discussion about this in our, in our group chat the other day. I don't think Richarlison ever gets to like elite status, like nowhere close. Obviously I'm not trying to compare him to Harry Kane, but I don't think he's Harry Kane. I don't think he's Youngman's son. I don't, I don't think that. he's that dude. You know who I need him to be? I need him to be Ollie Watkins. And he's way more than capable of being Ollie Watkins. Give me 12 goals a year, 15 in all competitions, and six assists, and we call it a day. That's all I need. Is that, is that success, though, at Spurs? If he's Ollie Watkins at Spurs, is that success for him? When you, have Harry, Kane and, when you have Harry Kane and Youngman's son and Richarlison doesn't play on the right wing specifically, you know, particularly well, then yes, I believe that that is success. You have to know when you're Richarlison. Then you have Harry Kane at the striker, and you've got the golden boot winner and Youngman's son at the left wing. That this is the role that you're being brought into play. And if they want to pay you 60 million euro to do it, well, then far be it from you to say no. Let, That's let me let me put this out to you, though, because there are a lot of people who and I know none of, none of the three people here speaking are, believe this. But there's a lot of people that believe Harry Kane will either depart this summer because Spurs will just, you know, quote unquote, wise up and sell him or he'll depart next summer when his contract ends. If Scott's been who, trying to sell Harry Kane for three years. He, I don't want to hear he that. Has. Just, he has in a similar way that I'm semi trying to sell Youngman's son, but not really. I get it. But there are a lot of people out there that believe that or believe it should happen even. If that were to happen, uh-huh. do you think that Richarlison is the type that could just step into the striker role for Harry Kane and do a job? Obviously not yes. a Harry Kane job, but do no. a job. If he stepped into the nine and had to play the nine for the entire season and he was the striker, Richarlison gets this team 15 goals. See, that's I where I, I kind of disagree. That's where I kind of disagree. Well, I think he would be more productive for us at striker than on the wing. I but agree with that. Like you said, 100%. when Harry Kane is in the team, Harry Kane is in the team. Like, that's right. the situation. And I think he knew that when he came to the team. So, to a moot so, point. I'm just not – I, like I said, he's he's fourth on my list, but I'm, I don't have confidence in it. But I think it's important that he prove me wrong is, is, is where I'm at with her Charleston. I appreciate that. Well, and that's I think where that I'm it's at important with half of he... our players, so I feel you. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% fair. Fair I, I enough, that, fair R- enough. Richarlison proving us wrong is definitely what he needs out of the season. I agree with that. Where would you want to go mo- I want to move on to what I, I feel has been, was one of the most underrated signings, or one of the most underrated of the signings of last year um, because of the injury. And I think because of that, um, he's probably going to end up in your yellow category. But for me, he's the second in with the way that Ange plays. He's the second most important player on our team as far as going forward. And that's Ibasuma. Basuma. Okay. So not in my yellow category. He is in my green category, but he's not in my top five, if, if, if you will. So he's, in, he's, he's, he's on the he's, verge of breaking into that top five. He's absolutely in the fold for me, the number two most important behind Youngman's son as far as Tottenham players for next season. And the reason why is because if he has the ability to sit back in that ball-playing number six role like he did to Brighton and just buck shit up and distribute, he is absolutely lethal. And that is exactly what an Ange system asks you to do. So as long as we can put some decent, somebody decent in goal, David Raya, somebody decent next to uh, Cody Romero, uh, Emmerich Laporte, uh, we can make delicious things happen with this squad. So the only reason I don't have you Basuma in my top five, and I, I really think this is the only reason, because I agree with everything you're saying. I really liked what I saw from Basuma down the stretch when he came back from the injury. He's obviously a guy that's, I think we've seen a little bit of like the, I don't know what you call it, the playing for the badge mentality. Like it feel he feels like he's, you know, it, it was a tough season for him injury wise and everything, but like he seemed to have bedded in toward the end. And obviously the system didn't really fit him perfectly, but I think he can be a piece. 
The reason I don't have him in my top five is because did you know how old he is? <laughs> my dude's 27 or going to be by the end of the year already. And while that's not old, there are younger players, especially younger players in this midfield that I would like to see as well. And I'm not saying he's, you got to put him out to pasture or put him in a rocking chair. I just didn't realize he had that much tread on his tire already. Like I knew when he's, we signed him from Brighton that he had been, you know, a real dude in that midfield. I didn't realize that he had had a whole run at Sheffield. I think it was Sheffield United before yeah. that. Okay, I so, so I, this, was something I, I got to tell you, I take full umbrage with this logic because that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Because 27 through 31 is the absolute prime for the majority of these guys. Sure, sure. But if so I, but, but, I'm looking at this I, going, I, how is he not the most important player when he's coming off of a year of injury, when we showed him loyalty in the summer when everybody else was turning their sure. back on him, when he gave him the opportunity to bet into the squad, when he's shown that he loves the badge, and when we need a number six that can play from, from by, in front of the back uh, for – like I, I honestly, every single part about this guy sets up to be one of the most important players in the next season. Look, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. I'm not going to take umbrage with what you say about 27 to 31 being the prime. I, I agree with that hundred percent. I think here's the way I'll defend myself. When I looked at this list and this concept that I, you know, just pulled out of thin air earlier this week and thought, Hey, let's have a discussion about the squad writ, writ large and, and kind of see who, who the guys are that, that we can build around. Um, I was looking at it with way more of a future future lens rather than a this year and next year lens. That's that's my only defense for that. I was looking at guys that have a little bit more runway for for takeoff. And while Basuma, you're right, is kind of entering what should be that that prime spot of his career, he he's 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 got to be taking off now rather than ha- still has room to to get the plane off the ground. But there he was the best. Guys- he was arguably the best midfielder in the Premier League the year before we bought him. Right. And so, okay. So what did his prime start a little earlier than what you're talking about that 27 to 30? No, I'm saying that he was, I'm saying that he was ramping, ramping up and then immediately got tossed into a Conte system where they only play oscillating eights and there's no real six in the squad. And he's not going to, he's not picking up the automation as well. And Lolo's clearly and Lolo and Hoybier are clearly going to play in front of him while he's trying to figure that shit out. And then by the time he actually does figure that shit out, it gets injured. And then when he comes back from injury, he's like, okay, I got this shit figured out and I'm healthy. And then Conte has gone. Fair enough. Uh, Caroline, do you want, do you have anything you want to jump in with on Basuma? Cause we, Todd and I have been arguing about it here for a couple minutes. Do you want to offer any, any thoughts on Basuma before we move on? I, I get what Todd's saying. I just, I, it's the way my list set up and you'll see, you'll see when I reveal the other players why, but. Yeah, I don't know. He's just one that I think for me, he still has a lot to prove. But it, it's tough to be too harsh on him because he did have a very stop-and-go season. He's, you know, it was his first season in the team, much like some of the other players we've already talked about, like Richarlison. So, I don't know. For me, he's, he's important in our midfield depth because we're going to need a lot more of that this season. So, Like you said, stop-and-go this season. And not only that, I just don't think that the Antonio Conte system was for him either. I don't yeah, think that's a I think it was point. a weird I think it was a weird buy for Antonio Conte. I feel like nah, it, was, it was a levy buy. It was right. a, oh wait a second, we can get the breast premier league uh, midfielder for like midfield forty three. million less. He yeah, does. I think he belongs and in a midfield three there. and I think he can thrive there. So let's let's see it. I'm 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 ready to see it, Todd. I'm not shitting on Ibasuma, trust me. He just he didn't crack my top five, and this is why. You guys know my number one I said was Romero. You know my number four I said was Richarlison. Let me let me go back a little bit and give you my five, and we can talk about this guy for a second. Dayan Kulusevsky. Um, obviously, there's been a little bit of discussion about whether or not definitively he's going to stay on permanently, but 
I think Dan Kulisevsky is really important because, again, in a similar way that I did not realize that Eve Basuma was already 27, I don't think I've realized that Dan Kulisevsky is only 23. He's still extremely young, despite looking the ripe old age of 42 at times with the facial expressions that he makes and the, the effort that he gives. But this is a dude that also had a really stop and go season with injury stuff and just never really seemed to quite jive. I think that Dan Kulisevsky's potential versatility, and I and I I want to emphasize potential versatility to maybe move inside and play more of a midfield role rather than a right wing role, which is something that I think I would like to see a little bit more of, makes him really important to this team and gives them another attacking option other than Kane and Son. And I want to see him have a bounce back season going into this year, fully healthy, kick on. Let's go. Let's go, Decky. Let's see it. What do we think about Kulisevsky? Are we is he falling in any anyone's top five top range here for for important players moving forward? He wasn't in my top five just because I'm not necessarily worried about him. Um, I do think he's going to have to show a little more versatility in his game because I feel like opponents had started to kind of suss him out, and you know we're we're finding ways to mark him out of the game essentially. So yeah, just seeing him, like you said, kind of show some ability to kind of play more in the midfield and then maybe have a different profile of winger in front of him, I think could be a really good thing for the team. Uh, But I'm not concerned. Like, I think he's so young, like he's still got so much time to develop. So yeah, not concerned about him. Decky's absolutely class. He's in my top 10, but he's not in my top five. And for similar reasons to to Kaz is is that like, I don't, he's not somebody that I particularly need to worry about. I think um, his first season, they just kind of let him ball. And he did amazing things. And then they got some tape on him and everybody started push him down the line to his right, push him down the line to his right. He's going to cut back in on you when he does take two steps off and cut the angle. And you saw every single left back do that. And as soon as he cuts the angle, then Decky's looking at him face up on that left foot. And he's either got to cut it back on his right and go to the line and try to get the cross in or rotate the ball back to the middle of the field. And so he became significantly less effective because nobody was giving him that left foot to do silly things with. So I think he's going to have to, similar to like when you get like a two guard that comes, that's really good at like coming off of screens in basketball, like Decky's going to, you know, and then you start to get tape on him. You start to shut off that, shut that down coming off the screen. Decky's going to have to learn to create his own shot a little bit more. I think he has the ability to do that. I think putting him in a more creative role will allow him to do those things as opposed to just being the facilitator, which is what the right wing does in a Conte system. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for him to grow and flourish. He's absolutely fucking class. And so I don't, I'm not worried about him in the least. And again, age is a big thing for me too. Like, like I said, 23, there's still a little room for, I think for growth even there, which I, even though he's so experienced, I mean, this dude was playing at Juve, like there's room still to, to, to ascend, I think even at age 23, which I think is really great. Um, TC, who, who you got next? Wh- who you want to bring up? Who haven't we well, talked about that's important to you? So this is, there's two things that I'm going to share with you here. And both of these guys kind of go together as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Let's Um, talk about them together then. Is uh, Ollie Skip and Dane Scarlett. And the reason why is because it's consistently what we're hearing, hearing out of the levy camp is Ange needs to develop the academy players. Ange needs to go back to the academy. Well, these are two academy players that are either in the first team on the cusp of making a big breakout or on the cusp of the first team ready to break out. And I think both of those guys will get a long, hard look from Ange this season and probably get some some significant first-team run. Uh, my issue is is that I don't know where Skip fits here because he's not better than Basuma and he, at playing the six. He's not better than Lolo at playing the six. He's not better than 
Tongi or Pierre playing the rotating eight going forward. Like, I really don't know where you put him. And so that's a little tough for me. On Skip, I feel like I watched a little bit of him while he was on loan at Norwich. And I, I think he needs to be unlocked to be more attacking minded than I think he's been asked to be in the, like in the Conte system. Um, Cause I think that's really where he thrives more. That's really interesting. That sounds like something that someone would say about Pierre Mihoybier, but it, but four years, but know. I didn't. So, well, no, I didn't mean you. I meant, I, <laughs> that's really funny. I no, didn't even mean you. I just meant in general. Like, because like people, that's the people role see he him plays in Denmark. Denmark. People yeah. see him with Denmark all the time, being more of a cam, being more of a mm-hmm. Christian Eriksen than anything. And think that that translates perfectly to club football. I don't know that it yeah, does. No, no, no. And I don't know about it with Skip either, but, but it's interesting. So Dane Scarlett, I did not have on my list. And I actually didn't even have in my, I, he's so damn young that I didn't even really think about him in this context. And that's on me, but I don't disagree with you in terms of the development stuff. That will be an interesting one to watch. I think that perhaps that the Troy Parrott ship has sailed, but Dane who? Scarlett might be the next one that, you know, the who? Exactly. The what? Exactly. Yeah. No, that guy's um, that guy's on a boat somewhere with some some Irish mafia. Right. When it comes to one Oliver William Skip, I will say he was my number three. Uh, because I again, age, and can you get into this midfield with again Bentoncourt is going to be back eventually, but not at the start of the season. You got Hoybier there. You got Basuma there. You got Pat Matthews. You got Pat Matthewsar. You got you got the likes. I of think Pekin. he goes yeah. on loan. Maybe. But you got but you got all these names in here. I'm saying there's there's a lot of names yeah, to no, throw into a hat. Can I, I think come out of that and say no, no, bitch, this is my spot. Come take it from me. Like I, would I don't know, see, man. I by the way, know. I would love to see Oliver Skip say, "Yo, bitch, come take this spot from me." I would love to like something like. I that. would love to hear those words come yes. out of Oliver. Exa- I can't exactly imagine right. those words coming out of his mouth. That's why I want to hear it. That's that's. Big, <laughs> But a player that will be 23 by the end of the year, Skip, I think there's like kind of like I said with Kulsevsky, there is room for the on the runway for you to take off and become a dude. And I would love to see it not only because it's the it's the he's one of our own factor, but just like homegrown, all all the factors go in with a guy like Oliver Skip. And that would be really cool for me to see. I'm, I'm I'm totally on board with Oliver Skip being very important to this club. I do think it's a good shout from Todd about the youth development because Daniel Levy and the club kind of have pushed that as a message, you know, in their reasoning for hiring Ange. And obviously that's something he's done at his previous clubs, but (laughs) there's going to be limited opportunities, I think, to realistically see that happen because we are not in European competition this season. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. But there are some players coming up the pipeline who are genuinely promising. So I hope yeah. they get, get a bit of a chance. They're really like if you watch any of Alfie Devine. Alfie Devine, yes, at him the, for at sure. The, at the under 20 Euro or at the under 20 World Cup or Euros, or I think it was World Cup, yeah. um, whatever it was. It, it was. He was in the scoreboard or on the, uh, on the assist line almost every match. Like he was absolutely running the show for that England team. Um, and he's already I mean, got he's a great probably, partnership with Scarlett, so absolutely he does. And then there's one more kid in that mix as well that's that's escaping me at the current moment in time. Are you talking about Harvey White? Yes, I am talking about Harvey White because still to this day the best free kick at the club. <laughs> that's not the. I don't think you're wrong about that. I mean, there have been some really good ones, but maybe in modern history. Um, so 
it's so it's so interesting you guys are bringing up the dane scarlet the harvey white the alfie like i didn't even have any of these guys in my group of 31 because they're just we haven't seen enough of them and they're not they haven't been like regular squad guys but i love that you guys are bringing these names up because and the, todd i'll i'll second caroline in saying the point you make about levy and postacoglu and youth development i think there is really something to be discussed there because that was never something that we were going to see from the likes of Mourinho or conte nope you know the the emphasis on youth development and i do think that's something that we can kind of see come back like we had under the pochettino years um under postacoglu i think that would be really really cool to, to see um let me round out my list and then we'll we'll clean it up from there because the, the last guy on my list he, he fell at number two for me um and this kind of goes to a question that we got from our boy Dustin Dietz. He said, what do you think happens with wingbacks in Ange's system uh, that Spurs have recently acquired? And that got me thinking, well, who are we talking about here? Uh-huh. Could we, could we, could we be talking about one Pedro Poro? Um, I think uh, we are. And I think he's – oh, you, you, you thought I was going to say Jed Spence, didn't you? No. Who did you think I was going to – oh, you, you thought I was going to say Destiny Adogi then. Okay. Nope. Wait a second. Where are we going here? I'm excited. I'm excited to hear you go to Pedro Poro. Okay, well, like let's talk about Pedro Poro, and then we'll go. But we'll I'll go tell you exactly. I'll tell you exactly what I'm thinking. Okay, and that so- is the most important character next to Romero on the back line is Emerson Royale. I don't know how to react to that. I wish well, the listeners could see Todd's face just now. <laughs> ask me why. I don't know that I want to ask you why. Because he's a right back right back we have on the entire roster um technically i guess that's true but maybe not i mean i think pedro poro is going to be a right back but here's why i bring up pedro is a right wing back who is a suspect defender no he's not he's not a suspect defender he's a terrible defender (laughs) like let's just put it out there so the reason pedro poro is on my list is for this exact reason and it's it's the question that 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 dustin brings to us at tottenham depot um you're right pedro poro not a right back he's a right wing back what i would like to see happen is for him if we're going to be playing a back four under Ange, which i think we all believe we will be i would like to see him move more into uh, an attacking role more of almost like a right wing role um because i think he has those skills i think he has attacking skills uh this obviously alludes to or i guess was foreshadowed with what I said earlier about Dan Kulisevsky. I think he needs to show a little versatility, maybe make a little room in that right wing spot, maybe play a little bit more midfield. I don't know. I'm just trying to get a little frisky here, just trying to trying to drop some things. Either, either that, either that, or the guy, Caroline, that started the most matches of the last two years in that spot is going to start the most matches in that spot next year. <clears throat> maybe. Well, I think the crucial thing here is that in one sense, it's a good thing that most of the wingbacks we have are positionally versatile, so they're not like locked into that spot. I think, honestly, Ryan Sessegnon is the one who's going to be suffering the most from this change because I don't think we've really seen him effectively played at any other position. So I, I think Todd's he, point he earlier about the, really the training staff at Tottenham Hotspur is what Ryan Sessegnon has been suffering from. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, unfortunately, I think that's also true. I think Ryan Sessegnon is going to be one of those players that ends up at, in, at Besiktas or Trapanzor and rejuvenates his career and then wins a uh, Syria at, at fucking inner or something. Or, or let like, him go I, down I, to Southampton, <laughs> you know, like, no, it's, I mean, realistically, I don't think that that guy wants to stay in England. I, I honestly like, and, and, and if I, I wouldn't, if I were, if I were him, I would go to Spain. If I were Ryan Sessignon, I would go to Spain immediately. 
I mean, it sucks too because he had a pretty good loan spell in Germany a few years ago. He did. Um, it was with Schalke, right? Yeah, and they played him as a left wing back. And he, was it Schalke Hoffenheim? Or Hoffenheim? Oh, yeah, no, it was, I think it was Hoffenheim. You're right. Yeah. It was Hoffenheim. Yeah. Yeah, so but and they played him at left wing back and he and he did exceptionally well. See the right. thing about Ryan Sessignon is that Ryan Sessignon's best career year ever, ever, was as a left winger in the championship for Fulham. Right. And I think that's kind of getting back to Pedro Poro. I kind of think I Which see is why little, Ernest Royale is our right back. <laughs> I see a little bit of that there. So to answer Dustin's question let's see how that goes when it comes to left back the likes of destiny adogi i do like the prospect of him coming back i just don't know what i'm going to get this is a guy who's been in italy he's coming over here let's see him adapt to a new league he also i think is little a little more versatile in terms of the ability to defend than pedro poro is on the other side um but is kind of more a true left wing back and kind of a lot of attacking coming from there so where are we getting the defense on the outside is kind of what I'm asking. All right. Well, so what Go I ahead. know y'all yeah. think that Ben Davis might not be a starter at the start of the season, but I think for this reason, he could be if we're trying to transition he be. because he's the left-sided left-side. Emerson Royale. Yeah. yeah he's I mean, the yeah, left-sided Emerson Royale. Yes. It's true. That's, that's a great job. No, that's, that's, no, really that's, that's really, and that's really hard to think about the fact that we've gone all through all of this and we've done all of this and brought in all these people and done all these things. And it's still going to be fucking Ben Davies and Emerson Royale at the start of the year. Maybe. We, we, well, we I'm don't looking know. at it like this. But if only because can... we need a central center back more urgently, I think, because we do if... have solid options on the flanks. Okay, so that's, but that's, that's why I'm looking at this going, okay, so what Andrew's system requires out of the center backs is to do essentially what Cootie does, which is to be able to carry the ball and break the lines with either passing with dribbling. Okay, and then have the ability to track back extremely well for a center back to cut off the space that was clearly left by your left back and your right back pushing up. And so essentially what we need is a left-footed Cootie Romero, who's by the, a little calmer. <laughs> by the way, everything you just said there about Cootie Romero is why he ended up number one on my list. Because in terms of the back line, and I'm going to include goalkeepers in that, all those players I, I had were in red except for Cootie Romero. Cody Romero is the only player among the center backs and goalkeepers that I have in not red and he's in green and he's, he's that important because he's the only thing that they, this team has in defense. And I had Ben Davis in yellow as well in my little system here. And I, right, right, I, around, I, right around like a, like a, like a six, like a six point, like six point, yeah, six point seven, <laughs> six point eight. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, the, I mean, Ben Davis, I want as a squad player, but like if, if it's time, it's time. I, I don't know anymore with Ben Davis. I, you know, I love Ben Davis. He's 30. Like we've got to, we've got to be practical about these things. He's a squad guy and I, I like him as that, but everyone else in the defense right now, it's, it, it's Cody Romero. And that's what it is because, and especially because Pedro Poro and destiny Adogi are not really defenders. They are attacking wingbacks. And Dustin brings up a really good point with this question because I want to know what we're going to be doing with all these guys that, and the reason Poro is on my list, by the way, is because we just paid all this money for him in January and then fired the manager that he was bought for months later. That's, that's an issue. And that's something that Daniel Levy is going to have to square. Um, no, if, Daniel Levy's going to pass the buck as he always does and blame the player for not panning out. Like he's done yeah. up until this point in time. Oh, that has nothing enough. to do with the fact that we've had five managers in the last four seasons. But it doesn't make a difference one way or the other because you can just blame the player for not living up to their price tag. Daniel Levy is an absolute snake. With with Pedro Poro, 
I honestly think he didn't even function that well in the role he was brought into the team to do because he is so weak defensively. Like, I think this is a guy who is a right winger who has been told his whole life that he can't be, and we just need to unlock it. I mean, the literal only way that he had success as right wing back under Conte was when Cudi Romero was behind him. We all remember what happened the game that Cudi was suspended for. Um, That did not go so well. And yeah, it's... Yes, there's a lot of questions to be answered here. um, And I agree. Uh, Speaking of questions... Todd, is there anyone else you need to get off your chest on your list? Any, any, anyone you want to bring up? I know yeah, you, you. I do. Who, who, all right, let's 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 wrap this up and get these guys our important it's, players here. So it's all, all mine are out. It's the last one for me. There's no way that we can have a conversation about the most important players at Tottenham without having a conversation about the most consistent midfielder that this team has had over the course of the last year, and that is Peh. And you look at the numbers, and they say the exact same thing. And you all want to bitch about this, that, and the other thing. Don't make him a possession-based player in his own half because that's not who he is. That's like getting mad at Pedro Porro that he can't play as a center back. Well, he's not a center back, but you're playing him there. So put PEH where he belongs. Watch him flourish as he continues to do. And without him pointing... How would the rest of the team know where they were supposed to go? <laughs> Just saying. I'm uh, going to decline to tell you what color I have assigned to PEH and just move it on to Caroline and make sure she doesn't have any other players that she needs <laughs> to get off of, of, of her chest. No, I don't. I just can't believe I didn't see PEH coming from Todd. Oh, I knew. I Trust me. <laughs> He you, set me up for it three different times. I, I was I was egging him on. I was back here like fist pumping, like, come on, man, just say PH so I can giggle and and yeah. and not address the the large elephant in the room that he is most definitively a yellow player. Whoops, I said it. Uh sorry. I, Five. I want to know who the other ones are in your yellow. Uh so I had Ben Davis, I mentioned in, in the yellow. Again, kind of just a squad guy, but yep, don't, don't not 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 kicking him out. I have Emerson Royale in the in my yellow as well, only because I don't know, like this whole we just ha- we just had the whole discussion about the wingbacks. I don't know the right backs. The I think he's a very very good squad player. I'm not 100 percent sure I want him as the bang on right back every week. Um, he he really reminds me, and I compared him to to this player a couple of years ago. He reminds me of a right back Musa Sissoko. Like can yeah, do a no, job, no. but not a guy I want in my top level. <clears throat> but you're you the guy over here that's that. banging on. Well, you're the guy over here that's banging on about age being such a big factor, and you know he's young, and so he's got time he, to develop. And, and you're talking about you. this, this is what I'm saying. You're over here talking about it to like Musa Sissoko, who looks like he was 46 years old every day that he played. <laughs> it's not the same dude, man. I'm telling you, Emerson got better from start to finish the last year, and despite the fact that he was still making no look passes, at least they were going to the intended player instead of out for touch. I, I like all I like what I saw from him last year. I, I I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you, but but as... you know where the age factor comes in with Royale, I think is that he's a player we could actually get some value for on the That's transfer market. Part of it. So part of it. it's not that we want to force him out, but it could be an opportunity to strengthen the squad. It's 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 a big part of this, but... and you're you're 100 right. And honestly, it's like if the offer came in, would I, would I have to consider it? Yes, I would have to consider it. It doesn't mean I'm going to accept it, but I would at least have to look at the at the at the at the sheet, you know. Especially because you have Jed Spence, you have Pedro Porro, you have. You, you I'd have, sell Pedro Porro. Other... 
maybe and i'm not gonna full like i don't know because maybe Jen he's not in this new set. dude i'm look it's because of the mystery around all this that's all um there's there's so many questions to be asked the only other players that um i think we've mentioned them all that were in yellow for me <clears throat> hoy bear uh, uh bentoncore because of the injury stuff and then i had sunny in yellow just because like i said it's it's another one similar it's well no, established it's it's a similar situation to emerson if if the right offer came in would i sell sun i would only because the value is never going to be there and yeah because like he's a 31 him... year old left winger and like honestly yes. between the two if i if an offer came in for sun or an offer came in for kane this summer i sell sun before i sell kane that's so and that's kind I of where i'm at that's that's you. kind of my whole argument on that so but it would have to be 80 million from real madrid like it, it, there's no way that can man city can be like hmm i'd like sunny to add to my stable of left wings that i will never use no thank you, you. do you need to hear about any of the red players because they're all just because they're everybody just give me give me the red there's players and see if there's anybody we disagree with Kaz. well i i've seen andrew's list the only red i oh. disagreed with was brian hill because I, I know i know there are questions around if he even wants to be playing that's a really tough one point. But yeah. if, he, fan, if there's even a little part of him that wants to come back, I want him to be given a chance. Look, okay, I, who, else, who do I, you have, Andrew? Well, let, let me just let me stay on heel because I think he is probably the most controversial one that I have in red. I, if if I thought heel could hack it as a Premier League left winger or right winger or player, I would be fully on board. From what I've seen, I'm not 100% sure that's his league. I think he's a very, very good Spanish player who should be in Spain or in because he's been really good there and he's having success not he has had success but statistically he's not been really good at spain and so that's why like i absolutely have no issues with him being where he is right now on your list um simply because there is nothing that i have seen from brian heel that tells me that he's going to be anything other than what we've seen from brian Heal in this league the the other big part of this is what caroline just said does he want to be playing in, in England, if he wants to be playing in England, I'm open to it. Yo, can we he keep it to put in that England? Effort. England kind of sucks. It's tough for a bro. lot of the year. And like, if you have a choice. Hey, do you want to go play in Sunshine in Seville, or do you want to go to North London and have every have gravy with every meal? I was like, gonna say somebody gonna... told me they put gravy on everything, and I swear to God. <laughs> Anyhow, so you, here's, you the, here's, here's the here's the other meal if you're Brian Hill. Here are the other players. Um, all the goalkeepers, Hugo. Frazier Forster, I'm fine having back, but I don't need him. If they want to find another backup goalkeeper, he's in red. Whiteman and Austin, I'm also, I just, I, I, I'm not attached to them. Is the reason. Also, all the, all yeah, all the goalkeepers are are in red. Um, all the center backs except for for Cootie are in red. Dyer, Sanchez, Longley, Tanganga have no use or need for any of them. Ben Davis, I mentioned, is in yellow. So he, if you want to include him as a center back slash left back. Um, the other two players uh, that are in the squad that I haven't read, Ryan Sessignon and Ivan Perisic, no need for them. I- I'm sorry. No I just, I mean, I, look, look, are we going to need some, some cover for Udogi slash David? We need something at left back. I don't know what's going to emerge there, but I don't, but it's not going to be those guys. This. I don't I need it from either of those two guys. And then the other players are all the, the on loan players in Dombele, La Celso, Reggion, Winks, and Rodon. And I already mentioned, we already talked about Brian Hill. I forgot Joe Rodon existed until I looked up, um, you know, was, was doing the research on this quite honestly. Don't need it. The other, the other four in Dombele, Lacelso, Reggion, Winks. I just, I don't, I don't have need for it unless I know you're going to tell me Tongue and Dombele is going to come back and start in this team. Maybe. I didn't say he's going to start. He's going to be a squad player. I don't want him to start. 
I don't want Tongi and Dombele to start. I want Tongi and Dombele to come on at the 60th minute and be a fucking terror for 45 minutes. That's all I want. That's all I want. That's fine. That's what I'm, I want I'm, from Brian. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I feel look, like... I'm down with either of it, but I, I'm not attached to it is why they're in red. I'm not attached to the. You know what? Like my, the reason why I didn't put him, the reason why I didn't put him higher on my list is because it would be I could never count on Tongay and Dombele again after the way he walked off the pitch in that FA Cup match. It's so it's, it's, that's it was a tough I look. Yeah, I, yeah, I can never count on where him I am again. too. If he comes back and goes, I'm sorry, I was 23 years old. I had four managers in three years, and I made a bunch of mistakes. And even though I look 57. I, uh, you know, I'm still a young man and he walks like my grandfather every time I see him. Like, I feel so bad for that guy. His feet must hurt so terribly. But anyhow, (laughs) um, I can honestly say that we all make stupid decisions when we're young men and we all do things where we feel like we should be getting the look and we're not getting the look and we get grumpy about it. I have largely, largely uh, slated Tongi on the show and said that he's a million dollar talent with a 10 set head and somebody who doesn't have the heart for this match and somebody who doesn't um, have what it takes to be a Premier League player week in and week out. And I would love for him to prove me wrong, though I'm not expecting it. I 100% feel you. Um, let's, let's leave it there. We, I think we've, we've beaten this, this squad up, uh, quite enough and it's going to be beat up throughout the summer because transfers do be coming. Uh, that, that, that season is nearly upon us and the rumors are flying. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what comes of it. Um, while the men's team goes out and okay, you want James Madison. We know (laughs) I'm not opposed, but we'll see. Uh, look, the, the men will be hunting for transfers. The women's team still hunting for a manager, Caroline. Uh, we need to get into that. Uh, why don't you give us the scoop, the lowdown, and then uh, tell us about the the key departure from the women's team this week as well. Yes. Well, unfortunately, there have not been a ton of really solid rumors in terms of who's going to be the manager coming in. I think the only like really concrete name we've kind of heard is Martin. I'm going to try to say this. Sjögren. Sjögren. It's Swedish, I think. Um, it's a tricky one. But... The good news is that it definitely cannot be Phil Neville, which was my biggest fear um, because he has someone he's someone who has managed women's football before and he was available newly. But thank God he's going to be Canada men's problem. So we don't have to worry about that. But it does seem like a an announcement is going to be pretty imminent because a lot of the assistant coaches have been saying their farewells. So obviously room is being made to bring in somebody new and it, it, that seems to indicate that it's not going to be Vicki Jepson getting the permanent role, which I think is probably the right move. I don't think she was quite the level that we, we need at the moment. Um, but yes, the departure that we had this week was that Tenny Corpella is moving on and her, her contract was up. And even though she wasn't included in that initial list of players who were being released at the end of their contracts, you know, it sounds like there, there may have been some sort of negotiation, but ultimately either she or the club have made the decision that it's time for her to move on. And I, I kind of saw this coming because it felt like after the past season, it was pretty obvious that we need to bring in someone new to be the number one, that it wasn't going to be 
Corpola or Becky Spencer. And because Becky was still under contract, you know, Tenny inevitably was the one who was just going to get the, the short end of the stick. So I think it's disappointing because she was very much like a fan favorite and she did her work very professionally, had some huge saves, but yes, we can only wish her well. What is, um, what's the scuttlebutt, I guess, in terms of just, I mean, we've heard a lot about outgoings, obviously, but incomings, like it feels like this team is kind of being not ripped apart. Like there's still a lot of really key pieces, but there, it doesn't seem like I've heard anything about incomings as of yet. And I know it's still very, very early, like, don't get me wrong, but normally we hear, hear about some of this stuff by mid June. Yeah, they I mean, they've been keeping it under wraps pretty successfully, I have to say, because the only incoming rumor that we've heard about is an Israeli midfielder. Her name is Eden Avital, I believe. Uh, she's 26 years old. She was last playing at a French team that was just relegated from their first division. And she wasn't particularly getting a lot of minutes there. So this one is super baffling to me. Don't understand how she improves the team. It, she's generally an attacking midfielder, occasionally a winger. So not even like a position of need for us right now. So for that to be the only rumor is kind of discouraging, but hopefully they've got something going on behind the scenes that we just haven't heard about. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, please, <laughs> please, please. That would be, it would be really nice. Um, we will keep our, our ears open for all of the, the Spurs women news because it's uh, it's not coming in nearly as fast as on the men's side, obviously, with the appointment of a manager and transfer rumors and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we will also be looking out this week, uh, later this week, for fixtures to be announced. Uh, the Premier League will announce fixtures on Thursday. Uh, we will get the whole list. Obviously, you know, dates and times TBD with uh, games move all the time, but we will at least get the order of games on Thursday, which is nice. So that'll give us something to talk about next week on the pod. And uh, the season starts uh, almost two months from now, uh, August 12th. That Saturday is the start of the Premier League season. So, uh, you know, the ramp up will really be kind of a month from now and and we will be rolling on from then. So uh, lots, lots more to discuss. This was a this was a beefy podcast. I did not expect us to do a, a, an hour, 20 minute long uh, off season pod, but we really, we really got in on the squad and like kind of got our hands dirty a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go take my rubber gloves off and, and wash up. And uh, I feel like I just completed surgery on this squad and uh, I didn't really have a lot of answers. I kind of just, I kind of just rip parts out and I, I'm not replacing, uh, any of the body parts really. So that's the, that's the, the real heartbreak team, uh, part of this, uh, it's, 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 there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of work to be done and, uh, we're going to be around all summer to talk about it. So uh, I want to thank Todd, the Todd father himself at TC underscore the show. Happy for, to be here, coach. Joining man. Yeah, no question. I know you're in full dad mode uh, this weekend, so we appreciate you making the time. Caroline is at CG Stefko, and uh, you can follow me at Aesteco. Follow us at Tottenham Depot for all of your Spurs needs. We will be covering stuff all summer. And back with you next weekend to talk about something, uh, whatever that may be. <laughs> it might even be non-Spurs related. Who knows? We're, we're eventually going to get to a point, I feel like, during this summer where we need to do like a, you know, top five foods you watch during games type of uh, type of discussion or something like that. But uh, we're not there yet because there's still plenty of news coming hot and heavy at us uh, throughout this summer. So again, follow us at Tottenham Depot. Leave us a rating and review and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And until next week, as always... Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. 
Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs.